the King series that we're in um, was intended to be a four-week series, but we're kindly just prolonging this thing, and it seems like we can't get out of all of it, so we're going to continue in it, but that's okay. Amen. What a wonderful opportunity for us just to learn some things about the Bible and about um, some wisdom and some knowledge and some understanding and some um, individuals that uh, saw God move in their life and in good ways, amen, and in great ways that God was with King Solomon, and this is about the rise and fall of King Solomon, and we're on this journey, but we can't preach about a king that didn't have a mama. Amen. So this king, King Solomon, in all of his splendor, in all of his wisdom, and all of his understanding, and all of his knowledge, he wouldn't have been born without a mama. Thank God for mamas. Even the greatest king that ever lived and will live in eternity, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the one named Jesus, even chose. He could have, he could have done it any way he wanted to do it, but he chose to be born through a mama. So a virgin brought forth a son, and they called him Emmanuel, which means God be with us. How many needs God to be with you? And Solomon was a whole lot like unto that because through a mother, through a woman, a king was born that would build the temple of God. And that temple would be a temple in all of its splendor and all of its glory here on this earth that was built with earthly hands, as Jesus said it. But yet, through disobedience, through humanity getting in the way, that temple fell. And it laid in ruin. So all the things that we think we can build here on this earth, homes, businesses, amen, corporations, anything you want to lend your hand to building, Sure, it's important at the time to do those things because the world needs those things. Amen? We need businesses. We need jobs. We need these things. These are necessities for us. But at the same time, we don't need to put them above our maker. Amen? So parents in the room today, I want to tell you that the most important thing that you can build is your children's lives. You've been tasked with one of the greatest building projects ever. Those children that are in your care, it doesn't take long until they're older and they have gray in their beard. Can anybody say amen? It seems like yesterday I was a little hoodlum kid running around on Brary Creek throwing rocks, pushing my brother off the side of the bridge, doing all the wise things that I knew to do in all my infinite wisdom as a human nature. 
But I thank God for parents that took me to church and caused me to come into the likeness of people like Forrest and Eloise Cooper that cared about us, that took us on trips as a church group, that took us out in a little room and let us color on some pages, some pictures. And it may seem meaningless in the moments when we're doing that, and it seems like, well, I'm just nothing, no more than a babysitter, but I assure you that the things that happens in that building across the street and this nursery in the back of the room are way more important than you'll ever know. I thank God for parents that bring their kids to the bridge, not so we can collect numbers and brag about who we are. We're building little humans to be good because that's what God wants us to be. So as I was thinking about, you know, Mother's Day and, and King Solomon, and I could go into a lot of stories about how his mother had some hiccups in life. And if you read the story and you've followed our guidance so far and you've read through Kings, you understand that there has been some hiccups in Solomon's mother's life. But it's not our goal to dwell on the bad but think about the good. Amen? Because anybody can pick apart others' failures. What we need to do is be grateful for the good things. So King Solomon is this wise young man, and even in his youth as he becomes king, and one of the beautiful parts of the story is that when he gets the crown on his head, and he becomes king, and I know you kind of all want this, and, but it's not for sale. I got a really good deal on it yesterday at Rick's auction. They didn't know what they had. I got a really good deal on it. Everybody else thought it was invaluable, but they had no idea what the worth was of my wonderful hat. Leslie thinks it's a fruit basket. Some people here at the auction yesterday said, it's full of fruit now. <laughs> a fruitcake, right? So just upside down, that's all. But I really think it's pretty awesome. I think a lot of people are just jealous, and they know they missed out, so now they're going to make fun of me because they weren't able to obtain such a great and magnificent hat. But as he was sitting on that throne, the throne of his father, and they placed that crown on his head, immediately he said, bring forth another chair. And as he said that, bring forth another chair, they're probably all thinking, well, who is he going to sit in this seat? Who's going to be of such notoriety that they deserve to sit by the king? Because history proved that a king demanded obedience from everyone. Nobody walked up to the king without their head down and bowing before him. But this is a different kind of king. This king had had a mother that kept him from the ill will of the kingdom and all the things that were being stated and said 
And as he said, bring forth that chair, and he set that chair, and he called out of the crowd his mother. And Bathsheba walks up and sits down in the chair. So as the king would sit down daily and weekly in this chair, he would have his mother sitting right there with him because he trusted her wisdom, her insight. And this is in a society where women weren't second-class citizens. They were last-class citizens. And for a woman to be sitting on a chair on the platform in the kingdom, it was a new day. And when you allow a mother's touch to reside over your kingdom and you cherish her voice, you cherish her insight, I believe this is something that God uses to allow peace to come. So as he's leading the kingdom, he doesn't look to the wisest men in the room. He'll look over and say, Mom, what do you think? If you still have your mother and you're blessed with that, I encourage you to ask her, Mom, what do you think? If God says differently, you have to follow God. But he can work through your mother to give you insight. King Solomon, in leading the kingdom, had come through his childhood and ends up sitting on his throne and begins the building project and erecting the temple and seeing God's will done on earth. And I'm sure the mother's joy filled her heart to the point of where she almost couldn't contain herself every day in seeing these stones laid upon stones and timbers that brought about this temple. And she saw her son building something in the name of his God that he cherished. And I can just think back and think through that and think through this story to think how proud she must have been that her son wasn't doing the things that others were doing, but he was doing something for God. So mothers in this room today, I want to urge you and challenge you, raise your kids to do something for God because that's the most important thing there is. And he might use them to build a business. He might use them to go on and invent something great that changes society. But challenge them to always allow God to lead them and guide them in this book. Because from this book comes all the good things. And sometimes we think we're from a region where things extravagant aren't possible or extraordinary isn't possible. Why? Because 
we're stuck in the mountains. And I loved last week's sermon, and, and uh, the missionaries did such an awesome job. I, I, I've thought about it all week long. She uh, just weighed on my heart all week of the things. And, but there's points in time where we have to move on and say, these mountains won't hinder me, but they will propel me. Amen? And that's what she's doing. She isn't sitting back and saying, well, these mountains are just have all these ladies that are stuck in drugs and stuck in jail cells and in bondage and in these abusive relationships. She isn't saying just, I'm going to sit back and do nothing. She stepped out and said, let's do something. Let's use the mountain to our advantage. And it's amazing seeing how the, the transformation is happening down there in Tennessee, but now her focus isn't just in Tennessee, but she's looking into Kentucky and Ohio and West Virginia and Virginia. And God has big plans for that ministry, I'm sure you. But these Appalachian Mountains sometimes will cause us to think it's impossible. But if we believe the Bible, the Bible says nothing is impossible to him that believes. Does anybody in this room believe that? Nothing is impossible to him who believes. I believe God can do anything but fail. He is the one that created all this, and because we make a mess out of it doesn't mean he can't create it back to what he originally intended. Amen? He can fix what we break. We are destructive in our nature, in our humanity, but God is the greatest fixer of all time. He created you before you was even in your mother's womb. He was in charge of it all. And we should just sit back and say, I want to watch and see what God can do when I make myself available. But these mountains cause us to think things are impossible. But the words of wisdom... of a mother will cause the change of perspective for us. If we will listen and incline our ear to the wisdom of guidance that God has given through mothers, there's a place in Scripture in Isaiah that says, O Jerusalem, and it's speaking to Jesus, how often I wanted to gather you under my wings as a mother hen broods her chicks. Protection is in motherhood. How many's glad for that protection? Amen. You can see a mama hen. Has anybody ever been around chickens? You've known it. You've seen it. Get them a bunch of little bitties running around them. And something that would normally scare them off or cause them to run and vacate the premises, all of a sudden a fight will come out with inside that mother like you've never saw. And that mama hen will end up flogging something and beating something and saying, I'm protecting at my very own peril. And that's the way it needs to be. Mothers, protect your children. There's nothing wrong with you having guidance over their cell phones. Amen? And today's culture is there predators that utilize these resources for the bad when they can be used for the good. We've tied a sermon series a while back out. These can be good, but they can be very bad. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be 
cowboys, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but to think about King Solomon and how much... I'm sure he loved his dad. I'm sure he cherished the war stories that his dad come home with all too often the victory that had came to Israel and how that they had gained more ground and how that they had picked up more resources and how that God had brought them through victories where that they were a minority as far as the number of individuals going to war, but God came through and caused victory to come. But I'm sure his mom was protecting this child of hers to not be a man of war, but to be a man of peace. Can I speak to mothers in this room today and tell you to be mothers sure of protection to the point of where you teach your kids the importance of peace? Now, mamas, is there anybody in here that believes that? Is there, is there any promoters of peace in the house? Has anybody ever ended up on the wrong side of that? And didn't show your kids how to live in peace, but showed them maybe the harsher way? Sometimes it happens that the mama bear will come out, and mama bear, when she gets angry and gets sees red, if you want to call it that, mostly for redheads, I guess, but <laughs> I didn't say that. I did. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. Oh, that was Leslie. If you want to blame anybody for that, well, that's Leslie. I'll talk they see red. You don't have to be redheaded to see red. Okay. I was talking to a lady yesterday, and she was telling me about how that, in the midst of a moment, that she's one that is usually took off and tried to keep from fighting and stay out of fights and to stop those situations from happening. She found herself in a situation where her big baby boy, that's a big baby, ended up in a fight to the point of in that fight and in the midst of that fight that she figured out I was just going to walk away, but as she was walking away, somebody said something to her and she turned around and went back, and in one punch, her opposition hit the ground. And she said, the next thing I know, I was doing things that I wasn't even thinking about. And the last thing I remember was somebody picking me off of her because I was making a difference. But those things are not something we're proud of, is it? It's, it just kind of happens. Anybody ever have something happen to you, and in an instant, you don't decide things, but it's just like a red of sea goes over your vision and you don't even know what you did? That's happened. It's happened to me. But that mama hen protection will come out. And you're going to have those slip-ups. You're going to have those mess-ups. But don't let it define you. Amen? We all make mistakes. We all mess up. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's scripture. We all mess up. But 
There's a salvation that comes from Jesus that fixes what we mess up. And that's what we need to live in and abide in to find peace. Because if you try to find peace by your own merit or your own abilities, I promise you, you will never obtain it. If you find peace through Jesus, if he has brought you peace that you didn't even know existed, but because of him, now you've got an inner peace that calls a rest to come over you. The Bible calls it a rest for your soul. And you know what your soul is? I told you often. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. How many needs God to checkmate that? My mind. Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. Amen? To my mind. Give it rest. My will. Mamas has a will. They want the best for their kids. They want to do the right thing. But a lot of times you end up messing up what you're trying to fix if you do it in your own power. But if you allow Jesus himself to aid you and be with you and lean on you and teach you in rearing your children, it will go better for you. So King Solomon had a special seat for his mother, and it was right by his side. Keep your mama close. Place her in a place, in a position that her voice means so much. King Solomon wrote the Proverbs in the Old Testament, and even though he's king, he's writing down these little proverbs, these little sayings, these little quotes. Proverbs 10.1 says this, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. <laughs> a wise son makes glad his father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. <laughs> Sorry for the grief, Mom. Sorry for the troublesome times that I've caused you. Proverbs 15.20 says, and this is Solomon, think about this, talking about David and talking about Bathsheba, his mother. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. It's a little bit different than the one prior in Proverbs 10. This time, it's saying that he isn't the grief only of his mother, but in that his ill actions, actually, he's despising his mother. Proverbs 20, 20 says, Whoever curses his father or mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. Parents are God's gift to children. And as he gives children parents and sometimes situations happen and things happen and in our humanity, in a fallen world, bad things happen. And in America today, there is a generation of children. They're all across the country. Kentucky is full of them. 
that their parents have abandoned them. Sometimes not all on their own will, but out of their actions. That these poor children end up in situations that are dire. And the Bible calls it an orphan. A child without parents. And what a sad situation that our society is in with so many orphans out there today. They're in care of the state, that the state is being their parents and they are placing them in homes sometimes in worse conditions than they were in before. It's a sad state of affairs for so many amongst us. We call them foster kids. That somebody is fostering a child. That doesn't have parents. And the beautiful part about the New Testament is it says that pure and undefiled religion is this. Pure religion. Not just what you believe, but pure religion. Of what does God want you to do? And what does he want us to do as a society? And what does he want us to do as a church? Pure and undefiled religion is this. Take care of the widow and take care of the orphan. That means raise kids that are not yours. Amen? Amen? Does the bridge believe this? That it is incumbent upon the church to be an agency of change in kids' lives. They may be still living in the home of their parent, but they come here to youth group or to nursery or to children's church. And our job as a church is to protect them is to promote peace with them, just like I'm saying for a mother. This church is a mother to those kids. And we need some men and some women to step up and walk in those rooms in obedience to what God called you to do, even if it's to go be a guard over there. The only way we got Travis to do it was tell him all he has to do is go over and be a guard. Ryan never would step up. He's a sissy. He wasn't going to teach nothing. <laughs> tell him he's a guard. Well, yeah, I'll just march right over. I'll be the protector of the room. Shoulders back, chest out. <laughs> Travis gets over there and he watches a, a woman teach. Come on, somebody. She wasn't scared, was she, Travis? No, women over there teaching. Travis said, well, I, I can do that. I, I thought that was some big task to go over there and teach kids. And it is important, and you should take it seriously. Amen? Study for your lesson. Walk over there in obedience to Christ and take care of some kids because there's been some kids that have walked through the doors of this church that have been put in some dire situations. They're in our care. Even if it's for no more than two Sundays, one Sunday, it's our job to make an impression that cause them to have a different viewpoint than they had before they got here. God is the one to protect 
and promote peace. And he wants to do that through mothers in this room today. And I've studied and I've read up and I've, I can't come to a conclusion myself. I, have, I can't say for 100% certainty what I even believe about this yet. And I found people on both sides of the fence that they believe one thing and have some reasoning behind it and then another group of people believe another thing and have some reasoning behind it. Anybody ever found that in Scripture? That you'll read something and think it's saying something and then you'll read somebody else's viewpoint from it and you're thinking, man, they're interpreting that totally different than I am. Come on, somebody. And it's hard to get over there and say, well, I don't know. Can I give up on what I think here and, and really study this? The Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's important to take every word of this good book into account and dig deep. Amen? Dig deep in this book. Pick it apart. Try your best to even look at every word to say, is that exactly what it's really saying? Is what I believe what I think? Or is what I believe what this word really says? And I find myself in situations like that. I, I, and As a pastor, I just want to tell you that. I find myself in situations where that I'm looking into this and I think one thing, but then it stumbles on me and I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Anybody like being wrong? If you haven't found yourself wrong lately, you got an overinflated view of your oneself. Amen? If you haven't said, I'm sorry lately, you got your nose too far in the air. Come on, somebody. Am I telling the truth or not? If we can't get above our raising, that's the way you're going to do it is whenever you think you're always right. Amen? One thing we need in our country today is a few, uh, for a few men and women to humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of God. Then he will heal our land. What you, your opinion of situations and what you think is not going to get us out of this situation. We know the world is going to hell in a handbasket. We understand that. We see it with our very eyes. But what are we going to do about it? Tell everybody what I think or pray. Amen? Humble ourselves. Or exalt one's opinion. If we want to promote peace like our mothers want us to, I promise you this, I've read way too many war stories. When young men go over to fight wars overseas and end up in situations that they didn't ask for, they never intended, they didn't look up and wait for that day, but long for that day, teenage kids... Barely getting driver's license and then two years later throwing a gun in their hand and say, go shoot people. And the stories are everywhere of these mothers that would create prayer groups. And churches were full of them, Chuck, where women would get in prayer groups in a church and they would pray over kids that were overseas fighting and, and pray protection over them and pray for guidance and, and pray that God would be with them. Most of the time, us men would be out in the street, chest out, my young man, my young son, he's over there fighting. Women's hunkered down praying. Thank God for some mothers. Amen? Prayer changes things. 
my opinions and my boastfulness does nothing. We need some prayer warriors. God is calling you. Pray like never before. The Bible says pray without ceasing. You know how hard it is to pray without ceasing? Maybe we need to throw a couple more of those uh, all-night prayer vigils that we used to have. Anybody ever been to one of those? You know what happens with those? Young men that thinks they know how to pray? 23, 24 years old, Pastor Wells called for a prayer meeting one time, an all-night prayer meeting. Now I'm going. You know where I'm going to be? I'm going to be on the front row. You know why? Because I want to pray. I come from a praying mama, and I want to pray like my mama. Amen? And I come up there, and I sit down on that pew, and I begin to pray. Next thing you know, it's going on and on. People get up, testify. They'll sing a little bit, and then you pray, and then they try to keep it going and keep, keep you, you know, your emotions up. Next thing you know, I'm slumped over in the pew and wake up and I drooled a big puddle of drool about that big. I'm a prayer wimp. I'm not a prayer warrior. <laughs> Amen. But my heart was in the right place. At least I was in a church praying, not in a bar, in a bar praying on other people. Raise your kids to love church. And this cumbersome thing that I'm in, this debacle that I don't even know what to say. How many's ever heard of Proverbs 31? I want to raise your hands. I don't want you embarrassed about it. If you've read Proverbs 31, raise your hand. Okay, there's a few in here. You need to read it. Mother's Day, most usually is about Proverbs 31. So I can't have Mother's Day sermon and not say Proverbs 31. That'd be like totally abnormal and you can't have abnormal. But Proverbs 31, it's, it's the story of a virtuous woman. And it, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing, Proverbs 31. And I, Okay, I'm going to read it. The words of King Lamuel, the utterance which his mother taught him, what, my son, and what, son of my womb, and what, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to the which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lamuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes to intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing, and wine to those who are bitter at heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. Open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Verse 10, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack or gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like a merchant ship, brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. 
From her prophets she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household for her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and yet her own works praise her in the gates. Who can find a virtuous wife? These topics that are spread all throughout this are a picture of what a godly mother needs to be. And if you haven't read it, read it. Read it to the point of understanding. And I know it says King Lamuel, but there's people that I was talking about. Some believe that is Solomon. Some believe it is a descendant from a faraway land. And there's reasons to believe both those things. I can't say for a fact who I think it is. All my life, I've grown up thinking it was Solomon. Because Solomon talking about his mother in that regard, in those terms, and to think about the king writing on paper all the good things about his mama. Because it ends with, she will be praised in the gates. And only men were allowed to sit in the gates. Men, if you're sitting beside a good woman and you're thankful for her, that's what Mother's Day is all about. And you need to hug them and you need to love them and you need to tell them how good they are, even with their mistakes. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the mothers that are in the room. God, I pray for the hearts that are heavy for those that have lost their mother that meant so much to them. God, I pray that you would comfort them today and cause a flood of good memories to come back of the good that she done of the protection that she gave, of the peace that she promoted.
of the aid that she brought, of the food that she served, of the clothes that she garnered. God, I pray for those that are struggling today. Let a peace like a river come through this room, go through that video camera, to those that are listening. Peace. Be still. And God, let this be a great day for mamas, for the mothers in this room, for the mothers that will be visited today, for the mothers that will receive a call today, for mothers that will have a card today, God, I pray, let it be a good day for the mamas. Help us here at the bridge to always be mindful of you and the things you've called us to do. And God, I pray that you would cause the women to rise up and call you blessed. And let us do that for them. In Jesus' name, amen.